here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Welcome, it is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin, who will be back with you next week. Uh, it is sad news what we are seeing out of Hurricane Florence. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we are going to be joined uh, by uh, someone on the ground to get an update on exactly what's going on as this uh, hurricane is really battering uh, the East Coast. Uh, the new numbers out are at least four have died as Florence is batter- battering the Carolina coast, and this storm is moving incredibly slow. Uh, it is eerie because I feel like I'm having deja vu. Uh, many of you may remember I was filling in for Mark this time last year uh, when when we had the uh, horrific hurricane and flooding that happened down in Houston. And I had my own family members whose homes were flooded uh, in Houston with that hurricane and watching this and seeing these models of Hurricane Florence and how much water it is dumping right now uh, is going to be catastrophic. So we'll keep you updated on that. I do want to say to all of those, uh, all of our affiliates out there that uh, that are being are, are having to deal with this right now, we are thinking about you, praying for you. Uh, and hoping for the best. The latest on this, just so you understand, at least four dead, including an infant in North Carolina, officials are saying there, uh, including a mother and her infant. They died in North Carolina as this tropical storm Florence slowly moved through the Carolinas. After coming ashore as a Category 1 hurricane, Florence was downgraded to a tropical storm late this afternoon. Two people passed away in Wilmington after a tree fell on their house, the city police department said. Uh, this is one of the reasons why they talked about these mandatory evacuations. Uh, they, the Wilmington Police Department said they do confirm the first two fatalities of Hurricane Florence in Wilmington. A mother and an infant were killed when a tree fell on their house, police said. The father was transported to the regional medical center with injuries. Uh, that's what we know there. Also, in the town of uh, Hampstead, emergency responders uh, going to a call for cardiac arrest this morning found their path blocked by downed trees. When they got to that home, the woman was deceased, the assistant county manager of Pender County said. And the fourth person who died was a man in Lenore County who was uh, hooking up a generator, uh, the governor said there. Now, Florence, uh, the worst part is it is inching along after making landfall in North Carolina. It has trapped people in flooded homes and promising literally days of destruction. Uh, and no other way to put it, I think, is human suffering. Uh, one of the great things that we see come out of all of these when we see a hurricane like this is uh, Americans who just do what they can to help others. Uh, the Cajun Navy, which was so in- inspirational to see in Houston and the flooding uh, down in Texas a year ago with that hur- hurricane there, uh, they are pulling off uh, heroic rescues in the midst of Hurricane Florence. Uh, what we're seeing is men and women, uh, coming from an hour, hour and a half, two hours away uh, on the ground in North Carolina, pulling off many rescues in hazardous conditions as Hurricane Florence is continue, continuing to dump torrential rains. Uh, the Cajun Navy founder, Todd Terrell, uh, said that volunteers from the group came uh, to the aid of 160 people who had been trapped by rising floodwaters uh, in areas, unfortunately, that were told to mandatory evacuate. Uh, they said the tide came up really strong, five to eight 
eight feet, they're saying, and a lot of the people did not get out. They got stuck in conditions on those roads, so a lot of people were rescued from tops on top of their vehicles waiting for someone to save them. Uh, the current is way stronger in this one, uh, and the water, the way it came up, they also said, with these tides, which they did not have to deal with in many parts last year in uh, Texas. Uh, two to three feet of water came up, they said, literally within minutes because of the tide shift. Uh, they also said that the winds were so powerful at times that their boats were actually flipping, so they ended up using air mattresses to float some of the people out. Um, this is just something that I think is incredible uh, about the human spirit here. If you don't know about the Cajun Navy, uh, they came about together back in 2005 in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina on the Gulf Coast. They played a major role in rescue efforts during Hurricane Harvey last year, and many of its members are from Louisiana and Texas. Um, there are 310 volunteers from nine states helping in their current efforts, uh, and they expect the number of rescuers to double by the end of today. Uh, so that is what they have. There on their website, they're letting people know and seeing the pictures and the boats and the jet skis and saving people off of their homes with this catastrophic flooding and on the on the roofs of their cars because so much of this water is is getting pushed inland with a high tide and not being able to go back out because of the winds and the water coming in on top. So it's just compounding uh, these 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 tide cycles on top of one another without any relief. And we've seen that this storm has still got winds, you know, averaging 75 miles an hour, but uh, easily getting up into 100 miles an hour. And so that's happening while this storm is just circling and moving at an incredibly slow pace. So, again, we'll keep you updated on this throughout the night here. Uh, and, and let you know what we can about what's going on. Also, the politics of this. You can't overlook the politics of this. And did you know that Hurricane Florence is already being blamed. This hurricane was created by none other than the President of the United States of America, Donald Trump. It's true. Donald Trump apparently is so powerful that he can now create hurricanes all because of the day the American people elected him. You may not have realized how powerful of a man that we elected, many of us deplorables out there. But apparently we didn't just get a president. We got some sort of weather god who can create storms and change the environment in about a year and a half. We can change the entire ecosystem in about a year and a half so that we can have these types of hurricanes. We might as well just name them Hurricane Trump if you listen to the Washington Post. The Washington Post has already, before this storm even hit yesterday, made sure that they could capitalize on politics of attacking Trump, because apparently that's good for their business, they declared that Donald Trump is, in fact, complicit for Hurricane Florence. Now, this is not a joke, okay? I want to make that very clear. This is a real, non-fake news story. The editorial board of the Washington Post declared that Donald Trump is complicit for Hurricane Florence because of his views on climate change. So Donald Trump got elected. He got sworn in January 20th. He's been in office for about a year and a half, almost two years now since the election day, but about a year and a half since he was sworn in. 
And apparently Donald Trump has done so much damage that he is now creating hurricanes and being able to reverse the tides of our ocean. That's incredible power that Donald Trump has, isn't it? Their headline as people are putting sandbags around their house, as people are evacuating, as police and fire and ENT are going through the streets begging people to leave their homes. The Washington Post comes out and their headline reads, another hurricane is about to batter our coast and Trump is complicit. That is their actual headline. Now, I'm not going to editorialize this. I'm going to read it as they wrote it. So you understand, I want you to think about how much of a psychopath you have to be to think that hours before a storm like this, where now at least four people are dead, and I'm sure that the four people that died, they're going to blame Donald Trump for that too. Get ready for it. They're going to blame Donald Trump. They're going to say it's Donald Trump's fault. Just like anyone that died down in Puerto Rico, it's Donald Trump's fault. So this, and and these are their words. Yet again, in all caps, a massive hurricane feeding off unusually warm ocean waters has the potential to stall over heavily populated areas, menacing millions of people. Last year, Hurricane Harvey battered Houston. Now, Hurricane Florence threatens to drench already waterlogged swaths of the East Coast, including the nation's capital. If the Category 4 hurricane does indeed hit the Carolinas this week, it will be the strongest storm on record to land so far north. President Trump issued several warnings on his Twitter feed Monday, um, counseling those in Florence's projected path to prepare and listen to local officials, and that was good advice, the Washington Post states. Yet... When it comes to extreme weather, Mr. Trump is complicit. He plays down humans' role in increasing the risk as he continues to dismantle efforts to to address those risks, the editorial board says. It is hard to attribute any single weather event to climate change, but there's no reasonable doubt that humans are priming the Earth systems to produce these disasters. And Donald Trump is complicit. Now, I... I'm going to stop there for just a second. I want you to think about how messed up you have to be in the head to be in an editorial room uh, uh, where, where, by the way, this the fallout of this hurricane is going to affect the people in Washington, D.C. that read the Washington Post. I want you to think about how jacked up you have to be. You know, in, in, in North Carolina right now, they're saying that the that more than 750,000 are without power. They say this could go on for weeks. But you're in the room at the Washington Post and they say, let's you know what? Let's write an article blaming the hurricane. On Donald Trump, and that'll be our editorial tomorrow as people are preparing for this storm and the flooding that's going to come and the death that's going to come and the destruction that's going to come. This is the article that they actually write and they sit around the room and they all thought, yeah, this is appropriate. The timing of this is correct. I mean, you look at Myrtle Beach just getting hammered a couple hours ago. The, the pictures coming out there were incredible. And, the, and they're writing this article about, well, really, you need to know who to blame for this. This is really Donald Trump's fault. He is the real problem here. What I take from this... And this is the part where I I thought about, should I say this or should I not? But I think it's the truth. What I, I think it's honestly the, the, the truth. I think these sickos actually are hoping 
that there is major suffering of men and women in this country so they can blame Donald Trump for it. I think that there are people at the Washington Post and other liberals out there that really do hope that this storm is so bad and there's so much fallout, the way that they wrote this article, so they can use it politically to say he didn't stop this storm, he helped make this storm, and you should have known that this was going to happen because Donald Trump doesn't care about you. So vote for us and we'll stop hurricanes. Is that like the new line of the Democratic parties? And I'm not joking when I say this because when you, when you, when you write articles saying that Donald Trump is complicit in Hurricane Florence's existence and you put this on the pages of the Washington Post that don't ever tell me afterwards that I should trust you on putting down the sword and saying, let's have a truce like we did after 9-11 where genuinely people stop trying to play politics on every single daggum issue. Let's have a truce and not have a divisive conversation while we can maybe help people with information and tips and suggestions on what you could do to prepare for this hurricane. Let's not give out information that people might be able to understand or give to their family and friends. No, 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 no. We're going to say politically that this storm is really Donald Trump's fault, and you need to know that. I'll go to your phone calls on this and see what you think. one 381 3811 one 381 3811. You can also tweet at me at Ben Ferguson Show is my Twitter on Facebook as well. Ben Ferguson Show there. You can send me a message. We'll talk about this coming up. Get you the latest on Hurricane Florence as well. A lot more coming up on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson sitting in. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hurricane Florence is battering the Carolina coast right now. Welcome back. It's the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one tonight. He will be back with you next week. Also want to let you know that uh, Life Liberty Levin is going to be brand new this Sunday evening, 10 o'clock Eastern on Fox News. Guests are going to be Greg Jardin, Bradley Smith. You don't want to miss that show. Uh, so make sure you watch, set your DVRs uh, as it is a brand new Life Liberty and Levin Sunday night, 10 o'clock Eastern on Fox News channel there. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're going to get you a live update from the Carolinas uh, about what's going on with Hurricane Florence. But I can already tell you, um, get ready, because what the Washington Post did before the storm even hit is exactly what many other people in the media are going to try to do as soon as they possibly can. You know, I tell you that four people passed away in Florence, and I am sure there are people that cannot wait to use that to somehow figure out if they can take any of those deaths and blame them directly on Donald Trump. And Trump's lack of response. Let's just go back for a moment. Many of you may have seen, and I'll post the picture up on Facebook and Twitter if you want to see it. Um, you can you can follow me on Twitter, Ben Ferguson Show, on Facebook, Ben Ferguson Show, and I'll put it up there. 
of what looks like football fields of water. Football fields of water that are sitting there. Enough bottles, uh, I think it was for six or seven bottles of water per citizen in Puerto Rico that the federal government had gotten down to the people in Puerto Rico. And these pictures came out this week, and immediately they blamed Trump for this. Saying, you know, this is the dysfunction of the government. And look at, you know, they just have this water down there that is just rotting in these plastic containers. This bottled water is just sitting there rotting away. And this is Donald Trump's government. Now, anyone that has a brain should be able to ask a couple of questions here. Okay. Is it the federal government's job to deliver that water and then hand it out locally? That's the first question I would ask. I mean, and, that, and that's not a loaded question. That's a legitimate question that any normal, quote, journalist should ask. Like, well, let's think about this. You got a place that we had to ship this water in on boats, right? It's, I mean, it was not, it's hard to get stuff to Puerto Rico. It's not easy. It's not like it's the lower 48 here. And so you get this water down there. Then what happens? Well, by asking one simple question about the water... One simple question. All you have to ask is, well, did we, did the federal government, FEMA, hand the water over to the local municipalities, the local authorities, so they could know how to distribute it? The answer would have been yes. So let me get this straight. The federal government got you all the water, enough water to give every person multiple water bottles in Puerto Rico. Yes. And then you guys did nothing with the water. Yes. And you want to blame Trump for that? Wow. seems so confusing. Mark will be glad to clear that up for you. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Welcome back. It is Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one tonight. Mark Levin, always a uh, honor and a pleasure to fill in for him as he will be back with you next uh, week. And uh, many of you are wanting to know, and we want to keep you updated on what's happening with uh, this hurricane Florence, uh, it is moving incredibly slow, which is the worst case scenario. Uh, we also have been told that there are at least four people that have died directly because of the storm, uh, including a mother and a uh, infant child that were killed when a tree fell on them in the, uh, on their house and on them and killed them. Uh, the father apparently has been taken to the hospital in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, joining me now to talk about this is uh, Clayton Neville, Westwood One correspondent who is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, Clayton, thanks so much for coming on. Tell us what you're seeing on the ground there and what are the big issues that people are facing? Ben, I appreciate it. Yeah, this storm that really barreled through North Carolina earlier today and continues to hit North Carolina uh, with flooding and rain is reaching South Carolina. Wind speeds about 70 miles per hour. Wind gusts upwards of 80 miles per hour right now. And the water is the main story, not only the fact that it's dumping rain, but the fact that it's going to rain for the next 36 to 48 hours. Now, this thing has been downgraded to a tropical storm. The concern there is that people will continue to let their guard down. It started as a Category 4 hurricane, then to a 2, then to a 1, and now to a tropical storm. I've heard firsthand a lot of people saying, I knew it wasn't going to be that bad. Well, local officials are saying, hold up a minute, it's this flooding after the storm passes that's going to be a major, major concern, and we're already seeing that in North Carolina. 
When you talk about this storm and, and how slow it's moving, what what are you seeing there on the ground? I mean, this is a lot of people may not understand. This thing is literally just sitting right there on top of you, just circling and dumping and dumping and dumping the water. Yeah, and the winds too. Yeah, it's a tropical storm, but eighty mile per hour wind gusts are you know nothing to take lightly whatsoever. And these wind gusts have been in excess of fifty miles per hour here where I am in Myrtle Beach for hours now, before noontime at least, and it'll stay that way through the night tonight. In fact, it's only going to intensify. The fact that it's just lingering, it's dumping the rain, it's wearing on some of these structures, it's wearing on the ground, it's wearing on trees. The longer a storm just sits, obviously the worse it is for anything that comes in its path. And, you know, yeah, you can have Category 2 or Category 3 hurricanes that move on by pretty quickly, well, what about a Category 1 or a tropical storm that just sits on top of you for a day and a half? That can be catastrophic, too. It certainly can. When you talk about the mandatory evacuations, and my guess with me uh, is Clayton Neville at Westwood One, correspondent in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, the mandatory evacuations, a lot of people did seem to really take the warnings and get out. I say a lot, but that also means there's still a lot of people that stay behind, and we see this tragedy in Wilmington where this tree falls on the house and kills a mother and a baby, and uh, we, we heard about two other people that also uh, died today in different parts around the, uh, the country where the storm's hitting. Uh, what are you hearing from emergency management on the, on the ground there about what they're still facing? You know, for the most part, emergency management says that most people have cooperated with the mandatory evacuations, but I was kind of baffled by the fact that I was down on the pier here in Myrtle Beach late last night around 8 o'clock, and there were 75 to 100 people hanging out down there, and a lot of them told me that they live in the area, they've been through it before, and they're not too concerned about it. They say, you know, oh, I survived Matthew, or I survived Hugo, and things are going to be just fine. The problem is you never know and you can't control when the water and the wind snaps a tree and it falls on your car or the water gets so high over the next couple of days that it sweeps you away or it comes into your living room. Those are things that are completely out of your control. They certainly are. Well, I appreciate you coming on, giving us an update on that. And stay safe, Clayton. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again uh, in the third hour of the program. Thanks, man. All right, Ben. Thanks. All right, I want to get to your phone calls, get some of your reaction to what we were talking about a moment ago, uh, which is this other issue here. Uh, and it's an issue that is so frustrating because you can already see, I do believe, that there are people out there that genuinely are hoping that this is going to be a some sort of disaster so that the President of the United States of America will get pl- blamed for it the same way that the Washington Post did this. Let me go to Chris in New Hampshire. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. All right, I guess we lost Chris there. We'll try to get him back. Let me go to Scott in Staten Island. You are on the Mark Levin Show. Hello. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Doing well, sir. How are you? You know, I... Chris, did we lose you there? Chris, you there? Uh, yes. All right, we'll go, we'll go with Chris. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, uh, this is Colleen again. Colleen, I'm sorry. we I hit the wrong line there. Go ahead. All right, we'll try to we'll try to get that squared away, guys. Let me know if we get that squared away. We'll get to your phone calls. one eight seven seven three eight one 
1-877-381-3811. One of you wrote in to me and said, Ben, about the bottled water part here. The bottled water uh, that was down in Puerto Rico, the president should have been blamed for that. It is his fault. He's the guy that should have known better. He should have known better than to walk out there and say that it's not his fault that people died. I, okay, let me make my point very clear about the bottled water in Puerto Rico. People said that uh, the federal government's response in Puerto Rico was, and I'm quoting them, a disaster. That's what they said. It was a disaster. The president defended the federal government's response, as he should have. And the reason why he defended the response is because the federal government, and a perfect example is the water, bottle of water that's down there in these pictures. They took this bottle of water down to the people in Puerto Rico who actually needed the water in Puerto Rico. They dropped it off. They handed it over to the local authorities, and the local authorities who are supposed to be the ones that know how to do this, get it out to the people, didn't do their jobs. We also know that there's been a ton of corruption that has been uncovered in Puerto Rico with much of the aid that went down to help the people that, in fact, did not go to help the people once it got on the ground. We know that we had local leaders that were incompetent, that were spending more time attacking Donald Trump and attacking the U.S., saying, well, we don't really feel like we're a part of America in Puerto Rico, and you're not giving us what we need. And they say, well, what do you need? And they would say, well, they need X, Y, and Z. And then the response would be, well, we, we gave that to you. What do you want? I mean, what do you want people to do at that point? How in the world? I mean, really, at that point, what do you want us to do? If we, if the federal government shows up and says, here's enough bottle of water for everybody that lives right now in Puerto Rico to have multiple water bottles and you don't give them the water, how is that Donald Trump's fault? How can you claim that that's his fault? The same way that the Washington Post, before the storm hits Hurricane Florence, is sitting there writing articles saying that Hurricane Florence is part is basically created by Donald Trump that he is complicit in the creation of a hurricane which sounds insane it sounds absolutely crazy this was an act of mother nature an act of, this this is something that no person no human being could create you know, you say all the time that Donald Trump's an idiot and he's stupid and he's dumb. And then now all of a sudden you want me to think that he can create hurricanes? Which one is it? You say that Donald Trump's incompetent because of things that he tweets out. And then that, then you immediately come back and scream, Donald Trump created a hurricane? Do you have any idea how incompetent that makes you sound? Do you have any idea how crazy that makes you sound? How psychotic that makes you sound, saying that this massive storm is the fault declared that President Trump's Hurricane Florence is partly his fault 
because, quote, his views on climate change help create this. Quote, when it comes to extreme weather, Mr. Trump is complicit. He plays down humans' roles in increasing the risk, and he continues to dismantle efforts to address those risks. It is hard to attribute any single weather event to climate change, but there is no reasonable doubt that humans are priming their systems to produce disasters, and Donald Trump is complicit in this hurricane. Okay. Wow. One eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight for Mark. He will be back with you next week. And if you just joined us, we are chatting about uh, the shocking politics of a hurricane. I remember I was when Hurricane Katrina hit. Uh, I was the night of my birthday. My birthday is August the 28th. And I remember watching this hurricane come in, and I was working at the time with the White House, and I remember um, the controversy, and this is before any of it had become public, of the White House going through intermediaries to beg the governor of New Orleans to please, or governor of Louisiana, I should say, to please go ahead and declare a state of emergency so that we, the National Guard can be activated so that we could get in there, and for political reasons only, because she didn't like Trump, she said no. The White House at the time was trying to go through intermediaries to give some get reasoning into the brains of Mayor Nagin in New Orleans to get people out and to declare a mandatory evacuation. Same exact thing happened. No. Because of politics. Then you go and you see all the destruction that happened there and you see the people that started blaming the president for decisions of local lawmakers. Remember, the president can't come in and take over a state. It's called states' rights. I'm sure if you listen to the show, Mark has done an excellent job over the years telling you over and over again about how important states' rights are. And the president doesn't have the right to take over a state. His administration doesn't have the right to take over a state. You fast forward to the disaster and the people down there screaming for help in the Superdome and everything else that was going on. And on August the 27th, two days, two and a half days before the storm, the White House was saying, please, just help us out. Please, just help us out. Please. Listen to us. This is going to be bad. Go ahead and declare a state of emergency. Please let us get involved. No, because you're a Republican. And then we saw the media start to blame George Bush. We've seen this play before. And that's why I'm telling you right now, this is exactly what, you know, this has happened before. Remember, the media is obsessed and loves George Bush now. They hated him back then, though, didn't they? The media will tell you, man, we wish we had him back or a Mitt Romney back. And remember, they also hated Mitt Romney. They hated George Bush. They hate anybody that's a Republican. Remember that always. They act like Donald Trump somehow has a different 
uh, breed, and so therefore that's why they're so hard on him. No. They were hard on George Bush. Do you not remember the picture of George Bush that they exploited, of him flying over Louisiana, looking out the window instead of landing, and they said, this man doesn't care. And then the racism started being thrown. Remember when Kanye said... George Bush doesn't care about black people, and everybody ran with that because clearly the president said, wait, are there black people down there in the Superdome? Oh, let them die. Like that was some sort of conversation that was had. Again, the insanity of all this. Fast forward to the president defending himself on the federal government's response in Puerto Rico. You know, when the president tweeted out about, you know, 3,000 plus people dying and saying when I was down there two weeks afterwards, the number wasn't, you know, was a dozen plus. I understand why the president tweeted back and got angry. I get it. He clearly felt like the media was trying to blame him for the deaths of 3,000 people without telling the whole story. And a great example of that is the tarps, blue tarps over football field links of pallets of bottled water that the federal government got down to the people in Puerto Rico, and then the local authorities dropped the ball and didn't do it. They didn't give it out to the people. Do you expect Donald Trump to go down there, and do you expect him to hand out the bottles of water? Because when he was down there handing out toilet paper and other things, they mocked him for doing that. You can never make this media happy. You cannot do it. You can never get a fair shake with them. I'm just telling you right now, you cannot do it. You know, the president tweeted out a moment ago about this. He said, they say all these people died in the storm in Puerto Rico, yet 70% of the power was out before the storm. So when did people start dying, question mark? At what point do you recognize what uh, what that what they are doing is a political agenda counts in the nice language of journalism question mark he just tweeted this out about 15 minutes ago and the president's point is is that there are people that are going to take every single news story about every single thing that happens with this hurricane and any lack of response on the local or state level from people that aren't doing their jobs well, and they're going to blame Donald Trump the same way that they're trying to say that only because Trump was president, 3,000 people died in Puerto Rico with a hurricane that hit there. The only reason why they can't blame Donald Trump for deaths in Florida with the Hurricane Harvey last year is because The people in Texas actually would not allow the media to do that. The people in Texas fought back when the narratives were trying to go against Trump. They said, look, the federal government's down here. We've seen them. We've talked to them. Now, of course, there were some politicians that crazies down there that were, you know, trying to make political statements. And they even got silenced by their own constituents who said, we are getting the help that we need. We are getting the help that we need. And things are going well. Got a lot more to say about this, and I want to get your phone calls in here as well. But I'm telling you, get ready, because this media, they're ready to use this storm. The Washington Post already wrote their first article, blaming Trump for Hurricane Florence. one 877 
381-3811. Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Welcome, it is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one tonight. He will be back with you next week. And this... Uh, really tough uh, hurricane uh, Florence is having major impacts all up and down the East Coast. Uh, they're in, just in, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, more than 300 rescues from floods and more trapped are awaiting help. Uh, is the latest news that we're getting out of there. Uh, many of our affiliates uh, that are listening tonight are being affected, obviously, by this storm. Uh, Carolina Beach, uh, North Carolina, being hit right now very hard by this. Uh, and now the uh, death toll, they're saying, is at least five have died as Florence batters the Carolina coast. And many of these areas where these deaths uh, are, uh, where they happened, are in areas that were mandatory evacuation areas and the X factors, some were from electricity uh, down power lines. In other was from a tree falling through a house and, and killing a, a mother and an infant child. Uh, the husband was also seriously injured, taken to the hospital. Uh, there are a lot of people now that are, are stranded because the water level is coming up so quickly uh, and the tides are co- are not able to go back out, and so they're just coming back over the top of one another, one after another after another, uh, as this tropical storm Florence is really hitting hard. The winds now 70 miles an hour sustained. Uh, gusts are up to 85 miles an hour, and this storm is only moving at three miles per hour in a circle, so it's dumping an incredible amount of rain. Uh, the new forecast for this is saying life-threatening storm surges are continuing tonight uh, in the areas of Wilmington and Myrtle Beach. Uh, also, in uh, it, this is moving, and it's even you know starting to hit the outer bands now of this tropical storm, uh, is hitting Raleigh and Charlotte and Columbia and Charleston is about to get some pretty heavy rain from what it looks like. Uh, Jacksonville getting covered up right now. So that's where just some of these areas are that are getting hit hard by this slow-moving but very dangerous storm uh, that they're having there tonight. We're going to get you another update from the ground coming up at the bottom of the hour on this. So I want to uh, have you you know, be around for that as well. And again, to all of the stations that are affected by the storm that, that carry the show, uh, we're praying for you and our thoughts and prayers are with you. Now, want to talk about politics, yes, not a joke, of a hurricane. The Washington Post started it before the storm had even hit, and everything was calm on the coast. They knew it was coming, but they said that Donald Trump is complicit in Hurricane Florence because of his thoughts on global warming. They say that he's actually to blame for Hurricane Florence. And there are people that actually believe this. There are people that actually think this. There are people that, that are, are, are literally cheering on the op-ed page of the Washington Post 
instead of helping people get ready for the storm, instead of giving writing tips of what you can do to help or how you can get involved or charities that have a big impact or people that you can send money to or whatever it may be to help those in need before the storm hits so that you can give back. They decide to write an op-ed ripping the President of the United States of America saying you are complicit in this storm. That's where they felt like that they're the use of their paper and their print and their ink should be used. And I'm telling you, get ready for this, because I do think that there is a really big, jacked up, messed up world that we live in where there are actually liberals that are hoping for there to be mismanagement and disasters and miscommunications on the ground where these hurricanes are hitting because they want to be able to point and blame Donald Trump. And by the way, don't forget, it's the same exact thing they did against George Bush. Remember, George Bush doesn't care about black people. Remember, George Bush flew over and didn't land. How dare him, even though he it was very clear what he was trying to do. He didn't want to take resources from the rescue operations away by having the president of the United States of America land and clearing airspace and security and everything that comes into a president landing and going anywhere. So instead, the president flew over, but the picture was taken, and they said, look, he doesn't care about you. This president cares so little about you, he doesn't even land his Blinken helicopter or airplane. He just flies right over and looks out the window from his five-star luxury plane. That man doesn't care about you. That was the narrative. Now, uh, any intellectually honest journalist knew the reason why the president didn't land. And if you didn't know, the White House was very quick to tell you, guys, we didn't land. And for one reason, we didn't want to take away resources. It didn't matter. Score political points. Hurt the president at all costs. That's like the liberal mindset when you have a conservative in the White House. Don't come together when there's a hurricane. Why would you do that? Then we can't exploit it to our advantage. And if that doesn't work, we'll just say that the mindset of the president actually created the hurricane anyway. So we'll just blame the hurricane on Donald Trump because that's how we do it. I want to get to your phone calls and see what you think about all of this. Let me go first to Jan in New York. Thanks for waiting. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in, and I go ahead. Hi. How are you? Doing well. Good. Um, I am a former journalist, and I am almost embarrassed to admit that anymore. Um, I am listening to this debacle that is going on, blaming Trump. I grew up in Miami, Florida, where I lived with hurricanes. Everyone always knew if a hurricane was going to hit, you if you could get out yourself, you prepared. If you didn't prepare, your local people were going to supply water, ice, everything for you anybody with a brain knows that and i i hate to say this and i don't like to curse but these liberal assholes all right we can't say that on the radio come on now 
I, I, I was enjoying what you were saying, but Jan, we can't we just we can't have that go out over the air. I'm really sorry. One eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. One eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. Let me go to Carla. You are on the Mark Levin show, Ben Ferguson filling in. Go ahead. Hey, Mr. Man. Glad to have you filling in again. Thank you. I appreciate it. I am of the understanding that not only has President Trump put multiple 18-wheelers with cots, food, medical supplies in northwestern North Carolina, but there are parking lots full of line trucks to restore the electricity all the way from California that are already there, that were there before the storm hit. So if they're saying our president doesn't care about what's happening down there, they're just what they are. Look, if there's anything that I know, and I I talked, gosh, just a week and a half, two weeks ago, um, to the president on the phone, he cares about the American worker. He cares about the American family. He cares about the American people. And and I think, and and look, the reason why you see him be so angry over um, people trying to blame him for 3,000 deaths in Puerto Rico is he does feel like that the, the way that he got involved very quickly in Puerto Rico and made sure that we had the pallets of water. Yeah, I mean, somebody tweeted at me a moment ago. They said, Ben, r- compare the pallets of water that the federal government, through the Trump administration, through FEMA, that they got down to the people in Puerto Rico that were never given out to the people, is just like those, those, those yellow school buses that sat underwater in New Orleans that could have bust everybody out, but you had the politics and the ignorance of local and state elected officials down there that did not want to cooperate or listen to the White House when they said, you need to declare a state of emergency, you need to have mandatory evacuations, and they said, no, we don't, we're not going to listen to you because you're George Bush. It's the same thing they're do- that people are doing now in Puerto Rico. Absolutely, absolutely. And I just I think it's unfortunate that there's an underreporting as usual, of, of all the great things that he's doing doing for us. And why aren't there journalists down there, you know, recording and, and taking pictures of all the line trucks and, and putting it out there saying, this is what our president is doing for us. But that's he not that's not the narrative. They, what they want to have happen is they want to be able to say that the president didn't do it right, that he mishandled it, that 700,000 customers without power in the Carolinas right now is Donald Trump's fault. The fact that five people have died is Donald Trump's fault. The fact that there are going to be people down there that did not do what they were told to do with a mandatory evacuation or suffering is Donald Trump's fault. You can't reason with unreasonable people. And so, and here's my little two, two cent takeaway is that everybody needs to get out there in November and vote and let's, let's keep, let's keep the ball rolling. Carla, I appreciate I appreciate the phone call. Nice to talk to you. Thank you, ma'am. One eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. Let me go to Bill in Pennsylvania. You are on the Mark Levin show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight. Hi, Bill. Uh, good after, uh, Good evening, sir. Um, it's not necessarily the point, and I don't think there was these drumbeats until you know it, it, it was an independent study, not by the Democrats, that. Unfortunately, 3,000 people did die. But as soon as you say something like that, he takes it the wrong way. You know what? Being a man and say, you know what? We could have think, done things better. He refuses to do that. A, a, a real person would learn from his mistakes and move on. He refuses to admit to anything. 
I mean, hey. All right, but let me let me let me ask you this objectively, okay, Bill? Seriously, you you go down there two weeks after not a, not a lot of people, okay? Not not a lot of people have um, passed away. Thank goodness. You get the you get the stuff down there that needs to be down there, right? You have mismanagement of funds. You have mismanagement of overtime. You have mismanagement of line crews. You have local elected officials that are basically doing everything they can to not work with the federal government, not work with FEMA. Uh, they spend more time making custom T-shirts uh, like that mayor did to attack Donald Trump than they actually did working with first responders on the ground or working with the government, refusing to meet with the president or, or other f- officials that are under him in Puerto Rico as a way of protesting the president, even know those are the people you need to be working with for the good of the people and then six months after the storm has hit you're still counting people that are dying saying well three thousand people died and trying to connect to donald trump why do you think donald trump responded bill he responded because people were trying to clearly say that it was the lack of the response of the federal government donald trump is the leader of the federal government and that's why 3,000 people died. And, and and Donald Trump said, I'm not going to take that BS and I'm going to fight back. I can't blame him for doing that. But 3,000 people did die. Just admit to it and say, you know what? We've all could have come together and worked a little bit better. And we all understand one of the reasons why, you know, there, there's a lot of misconceptions in this country. If you asked 50,000 people... And if you started speaking to somebody from Puerto Rico, I would imagine at least 60 to 70 percent wouldn't think they're an American. But guess what? They're an American just as much as me, you or anybody else is. However, they're on an island and their primary language is Spanish. And we understand what, what whatever dog whistle we're using for that this week. And the second thing is they're obviously not Republican slash conservative voters. So you're on an island. You don't speak our language. You, you're probably not going to vote for me. So you put two and two together, and what do you think you get? I, I, I mean, I, if you think you think it's politically motivated, oh, without a doubt, one hundred percent. That that's 100%. see that's that's the part where Bill, I think you're just sick. I'm I think the sick. fact I'm, that you I'm think that I, I think the fact that you think that the president of the United States of America is okay with certain people dying and suffering, but not okay with other people dying and suffering based on the politics tells me that, I mean, that's that's a narrative, the same narrative, by the way, that I told you the media is going to try to push. There is no media push. It's a true fact. Thousands of people died down there. Things could have been done better. So so why, Bill, let me ask you, Bill, Bill, why is it that you are holding... You you know this. You you live in Pennsylvania, right? If the you know what hits the fan in Pennsylvania, who are the people that are going to be able to help you the most? It is local officials. Am I wrong? Of course Mark not. Levin. Everybody needs to work together. You, there's the national guard. No 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 no. You didn't answer. You whatever. didn't answer. Hold on. No, you didn't answer my question. If something happens in Pennsylvania. At the end of the day, the people that are going to know how to best serve the people on the ground, how to do things the right way, how to get to Bill in Pennsylvania in his neighborhood are going to be local elected and state officials. Am I wrong? Please don't uh, push this false narrative. That's a I'm not pushing a false bill. narrative. I'm asking you a, a question please, which please, you don't please. want to answer because you know it's I'm the truth, answer. Bill. Please let me answer. It's always this false narrative where Republicans say, don't rely on the government. 
Don't rely on the government. That's not what I said, Bill. I said if you are relying on the government and the you-know-what hits the fan with a natural disaster or catastrophe in Pennsylvania, is it not the local elected officials that are going to be the ones that know best how to serve the community, help the community, connect the community, and protect the community? Am I wrong? However, they don't have the resources to you do can't, that. If if a- the, and then, okay, so if I take your narrative, Bill, that they don't have the, quote, resources to do it, that they don't have the resources to do it, then when the federal government sends pallets and pallets of water down to Puerto Rico and the local elected officials don't even give it out to the people, you want to blame the federal government for that. Grow up. Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Welcome back. It is uh, the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one tonight. He will be back with you next week. We're talking about the uh, hurricane at Florence battering the Carolinas tonight. Uh, we're going to be joined in a moment by our affiliate to WB, uh, WBT in Charlotte. Uh, Brett Johnson is going to join us, who's in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, and get an update on this storm. Uh, winds are at 70 miles an hour, sustained 85 mile an hour gusts, and the storm is moving at just three miles an hour to the west, which is where all the rainfall is coming from. Also, Nike... Is fighting to keep Oregon a sanctuary state after illegal aliens ended up killing another young person. I'm going to give you the details on Nike and a new poll on Nike that says a lot of people are abandoning them. I'll give you the th- my thoughts on that coming up on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in. We'll be right back. Come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have messed with? That's Mark. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. Got a lot of news tonight. Paul Manafort has pled guilty in cooperation deal with Robert Mueller's team. I'll have the details on that. And the New York Times has had to apologize to Nikki Haley for flat-out lying about her. I'll give you the details on that coming up in a moment. But first, uh, we are covering uh, this storm for you as well. Tropical storm has now been downgraded. Tropical storm Florence. Uh, it, there are now five people that have died so far, they say, connected with this storm. Joining me now uh, from our affiliate WBT in Charlotte, uh, Brett Johnson uh, is in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina. Brett, how are things looking there where you are? Well... It has been downgraded, downgraded, like you said. The winds right now are sustained 50 miles an hour. The gusts are still getting up to about 70, 75 miles an hour. Um, it's still raining hard, and that's what's going to happen here. That's the big danger. It was never the wind that was the big problem everyone was scared about. It was always the rain. And because the hurricane has you know, made landfall early this morning, but it's, an, it's a very strange hurricane because it's only moving at about five or six miles an hour, and it has just camped. Once it made landfall, it is camped, and that's, it's just raining and raining and raining very hard. And they were worried that they were going to have a very situation, just like they had at Houston last year where the hurricane camped. 
And right now, they're you know they're still calling for 30 plus. Earlier, it was like 45 inches of rain, and now they're thinking it's going to be closer to 35 inches of rain. So they're still expecting three feet of rain here in the coastal area over the next, uh, say, 36 hours. Um, when when you look at the next 36 hours, uh, how many people in your community did decide to go ahead and evacuate? How many are left behind? Well, when I got into town, so Wilmington is four mile or four hours due east of Charlotte. And when I got into town Wednesday night, the first thing that struck me were was how many people didn't leave. I, I, I've heard estimates that roughly 10% of Wilmington evacuated, even though the governors from North and South Carolina, because Wilmington's right near the South Carolina state line with Myrtle Beach, and it's uh, it. it both governors from North and South Carolina were begging them to leave. Like, look, you need to leave. We're talking catastrophic floods potentially. And I think the SOS that I heard was somewhere around only 10% decided to vacate. Uh, Now many decided to get hotel rooms and stay in Wilmington, but get hotel rooms just getting out of their houses. But it, 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 it has surprised me how many people stayed. And as a result, there have been hundreds upon hundreds of rescues in terms of water rescues where there have been floods and the only way to get to these people are by boat and people being stuck in their attic for eight hours on end eight hours at a time waiting for rescue workers to come save them i mean it's it's and it's and i mean it's been it's only going to get worse because this hurricane is not moving and they're like i said they're expecting heavy rain still to continuously for the next 24 to 36 hours you know, one other thing you mentioned there is the water rescues. We've seen some of the video. Uh, I've seen some of the video. It's incredible how many um, just good Americans are risking their lives to go out and help rescue people uh, during, while, in, right in the middle of this tropical storm slash hurricane. Well, you know what? And, and yes, we know that there are great Americans and the ones that do the you know the fire departments and the police departments and the emergency services. But there's a group of people, and I don't know if your listeners have heard of them. They're called the Cajun Navy. We talk. You know what? I started the show tonight talking about how incredible uh, the Cajun Navy is. They come all the way from Texas and, and Louisiana, uh, Alabama, and they are there. At, I'll let you pick it up from there. But it's amazing. They started back in 2005 with Hurricane Katrina. They went down to Harvey. They show up in this stuff. They're prepared. They've got the boats. They've got the gear. And they go into neighborhoods and they get people out. Yeah, so I can tell you this. So there's a tiny little town, a coastal town, about an hour north of Wilmington called Newburn. And that's where all these water rescues have had to happen. Newburn um, is, has been under three and four and five feet of water for, under, for over 24 hours. I mean, it has been the entire city five feet underwater. Well, all, that's where all these water rescues are taking place in that area. And, and I can tell you that well over half of the water rescues were from the Cajun Navy. And we're talking 250 to 300 water rescues just in that one tiny little town. And when I mean tiny, I mean it is a, it is a pimple of a town. It's so small. But they had all these – everyone had to be rescued. And the Cajun Navy are, are, are predominantly responsible for well over half of the rescues in that tiny little town. And now I, I, um, I've spoken to some of them. And they're actually loading up, and they're all moving south the 60 miles towards Wilmington and to help maybe res- do rescues with any of the barrier islands or here 
like I said, here locally uh, that need rescuing because of the water damage that's going to be coming over the next 24 to 36 hours. Uh, unbelievable. I really appreciate you, Brett. Stay safe. Thanks for, for giving us uh, perspective there of what's going on in Wilmington. Uh, we'd love to check in with you next hour as well if you've got some time for us. Absolutely. Give me a shout. Thanks, Brett Johnson, WBT, our affiliate uh, from Charlotte. He's down the road in Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, where they are taking a big hit there. Uh, we'll talk to him again in the next hour, get another update from him. All right, in the meantime, I want to get back to uh, this other issue that we are talking about here, and that is the New York Times. A little side uh, note here, they've had to apologize. Of course, no one's covering that. The issue... curtains for Nikki Haley's office that she didn't buy. The office of U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, said the $52,000 curtains installed in her New York office last year were not bought by her. In fact, they were bought by the Obama administration after a hit piece came out claiming that the Trump administration ordered them. That's right. The New York Times wrote a massive article about the pricey window treatments yesterday. And while it appeared to pin the blame on the Trump administration, they kind of got it wrong. A spokesman for Haley said she had no say in the purchase of the $52,701 customized curtains. The apartment, which is located in a new building just blocks from the delegation offices, is leased by the government. And Haley is the first ambassador to live in it. That's what Patrick Kennedy, the State Department management official under Obama. Although the selection of the purchase of the curtains were made during the Obama administration, installation did take place from March to August of 17, while Haley was serving as the ambassador. During the installation, former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson had frozen hiring and proposed cutting the department's budget by 31%. How can you, on the one hand, tell diplomats that basic needs cannot be met, and on the other hand, spend more than $50,000 on a customized curtain system for the ambassador of the U.N.? That's what a White House official in the Obama administration said of his own administration's decision. Of course, that part was left out by the Times. Kennedy defended the purchase, of course, claiming that it would be used for years And it was needed for security and, quote, entertainment. Again, this is the person for the Obama administration talking. Kennedy also said, uh, you know, defended the purchase saying that, look, it's this is going to be used for years. So don't worry about the price tag. Okay. I bring this up just to show you yet again. Um, I, I bring this up just to just again to show how dishonest the media is about these types of things. There was another article talked about the rent that Nikki Haley was paying and how much money it was costing and how we should all be outraged and what they pay, which, by the way, is not her decision. Just so you know, she inherited the place that she's now living in. And, of course, there's this article that came out after this first hit piece about her curtains that was saying that, you know, Nikki Haley is this terrible person because she spends all this money 
and she's wasting money and we should be angry and upset and we should go after her. And it should be, you know, everybody should just be saying, how dare you waste our taxpayers dollars? How dare you waste taxpayers dollars? Nikki Haley's rent is less than half of what the Obama administration officials are spending. Anybody want to talk about that? I mean, anybody? Seriously? $52,000 curtains for Nikki Haley's office. They weren't bought by her. They were bought by the Obama State Department. And there was a reason why no one wrote the article then, because you don't write articles that are criticizing Barack Obama and the State Department under Hillary Clinton. That's something you're not allowed to do. No, no, you can't do that. That's just wrong. So the New York Times spreads lies, fake news about Nikki Haley, and this is why the president calls them fake news. When you've got a New York Times headline attacking the U.S. ambassador, extravagant curtains, even though the Obama administration ordered them in 2016, and it's not hard to figure this out. I mean, the first paragraph of the Times goes on to attack Haley and President Trump's State Department because they spent $52,701 last year buying customized and mechanical curtains for the picture window in Nikki Haley's office residence as Ambassador to the United Nations, just as the department was undergoing deep budget cuts and had frozen hiring. Those are their exact words. The word spent, it by the way, is crucial because they didn't spend the money. They also, by the way, went on to talk about, you know, after five whole paragraphs describing Nikki Haley's spectacular views that she lives in and her least $58,000 a month full floor penthouse with handsome hardwood floors covering large open spaces stretching nearly 6,000 square feet. The Times has now had to say, yeah, our bad. Okay, so the Obama administration ordered those curtains. But you should still be angry at Nikki Haley for this. You should still be angry at Nikki Haley because, well, Nikki Haley's there. She's a Republican and she's a woman that works for Trump. So let's burn her house down too. one 381 3811 I'll get your reaction to that. On the Mark Levin Show, Ben Ferguson filling in. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Just when you thought Democrats couldn't be fo- become more, well, crass and disgusting, they're now blaming Donald Trump for post-Hurricane Maria suicides in Puerto Rico. Welcome back. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, the North Carolina governor, saying uh, that uh, Hurricane Florence is now a thousand-year rain event, will be dumping trillions now, you heard me right, trillions of gallons of water on the Carolinas. 
We're going to have uh, keep you updated on this throughout the evening as uh, we are seeing extensive flooding. Uh, the Cajun um, Navy is really helping out, saving a significant number of lives lives in uh, in the path of this hurricane. And Donald Trump has just given them a big thank you for their effort uh, as they are in New Bern, North Carolina, for example, getting a lot of these people out that stayed behind. Uh, many of these people that are being rescued are in mandatory evacuation areas. And people still wanted to stay behind for whatever reason uh, they decided to do it. Now, back to the other issue here. Democrats uh, doubling down on their attack on Donald Trump for 3,000 dead, trying to act like it's his fault that 3,000 people died in Puerto Rico. Now, representative from a Democrat from New York, Nadia Velinquez, I hope I botched that name a little bit, blame President Donald Trump tonight for what she says was a Spike in suicides across Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria hit the territory in late 2017. So as we have a hurricane right now that's hitting, Democrats now think it's nice. It's it's the right time to start the narrative and attacking this president, saying that this hurricane's his fault, just like the Washington Post has done writing an article saying that Donald Trump is complicit in the creation of Hurricane Florence and it hitting. She offered these comments as Congresswoman. During a press conference this afternoon, alongside House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi and Representative Sheila Jackson Lee in D.C. Now, the transcript, because I didn't believe this when I saw the first story come up earlier today, um, I, I wanted to make sure I was right. So I just I asked for the transcript and just got it. Here's what it says. She, this, this congresswoman says, we know now that these conditions resulted in almost 3,000 losses of our fellow citizens, whether it was from dialysis machines and medical care not functioning, a loss of air conditioning and extreme heat, or the suicide rate spiking in despair, this death toll can be attributed to Maria and Donald Trump's administration's response. She goes on to say, as President of the United States, your very first responsibility is to protect the lives of American citizens after disasters. Instead, your administration created a humanitarian crisis through inadequately preparing and an incompetent response. Sheila Jackson Lee went on to double down on this. And again, this is in a day when you would think that as members of Congress, they would actually be talking to people on the ground, making sure that the federal government is giving them everything they need. No, 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 no. They take this Friday to go after the President of the United States of America, Donald Trump, so that they can lay the groundwork for a narrative that that anything bad that happens with Hurricane Florence, they can then blame Donald Trump for it. There's the only reason why you have this press conference on this on today, on the Friday the storm is hitting, talking about hurricane this hurricane that hit in Puerto Rico, is so that there is already articles that are being written about the lack of response to get it in people's minds that if things get bad here, that they should blame Donald Trump as well. Crazy Democrat Sheila Jackson Lee says we have been affirmed and reaffirmed that 3,000 plus died. And as I've seen congressmen, the congresswoman cry because people in Puerto Rico are committing suicide. Then I think that we're here to do today is to give solutions, to plea for the money. And to demand that the administration stand up for its responsibility, their, its responsibilities, realizing that the greatest job that they have is when the American people are in war or in disaster. 
The administration needs to do its job. That's what they said. Now, according to the C-SPAN automated transcript, money, the word money was mentioned 37 times by Democrats during the press conference. 37 times. 37 times. So don't tell me that Democrats aren't rooting for this hurricane to be a disaster, for people to die, so then they can blame the president for it. That, my friends, is what you call not having a soul. That is a mental disability. It is messed up. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hour three, nice to have you with us, Ben Ferguson, uh, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. He will be back with you next week in Hurricane Florence. Uh, is having a really uh, big impact on the East Coast. We're going to get you another live update from the ground uh, from one of our affiliates, WBT, uh, in Charlotte. They're going to talk with us coming up in about 25 minutes. We'll have them there. Uh, what we're seeing now is, uh, unfortunately, five confirmed casualties, uh, deaths, uh, as Florence keeps battering the Carolinas, uh, two of those people were a mother and an infant child when a tree fell through their house, killing them. Uh, we, it is so sad to see this, but also so encouraging to see how many Americans are joining together, uh, including the Cajun uh, Army who are out there helping save people's lives as we're seeing the same type of flooding that we saw with Hurricane Harvey uh, down in Houston last year. Uh, a lot of people are coming together in these communities and people are coming in from other states to help people in these communities and get them out of these areas where they need so much help. Now, I say all that to also deal with the reality of what's going on politically. Today, as the storm's hitting, Democrats decided at the with the leader, Nancy Pelosi, on stage to blame Donald Trump for post Hurricane Maria suicides in Puerto Rico. Democratic representative from New York directly blamed Donald Trump for what she said was a spike in suicides across Puerto Rico after their terrible response from this administration. Of all the press conferences that Sheila Jackson Lee and Demo- other Democrats could have had today, they could have had a press conference telling people the what they need to do, and how they could make things better, and everything else. I mean, they, they could have done that. They, they could have actually have done that. They didn't. They could have given out numbers of and, and places for people to send money and get involved and support with operations to feed those that maybe, you know, gotten away from the house. They didn't do that. Instead, they decide to have a press conference to start the narrative that anything bad that happens because of Hurricane Florence is actually the fault of Donald Trump. 
And the way that you start that narrative is to start saying that people died in Puerto Rico because of Donald Trump. And to double down on that on the day when this hurricane's hitting, to already get that in people's minds. So when they do see something bad that happens, that immediately they will say, well, now we know who to blame. It's Donald Trump. Here's part of what they said at this press conference today. This press conference happened today. We know now that these conditions resulted in the almost 3,000 loss of our fellow citizens. Whether it was from dialysis machines and medical care not functioning, a loss of air conditioning in extreme heat, or the suicide rate spiking due to this despair, this death toll can be attributed to Maria and the administration's response. Today, sadly, we are watching as another enormous hurricane lands on American soil. And so the fact that we have been affirmed and reaffirmed that 3,000 plus died. And as I've seen Congresswoman Velasquez cry because people in Puerto Rico are committing suicide, then I think what we're here today is to give solutions, to plead for the money, and to demand that the administration stand up to its responsibilities, realizing that the greatest job that they have is when the American people are in war or the American people are in disaster. The administration needs to do its job. I mean, it's incredible that on this Friday, when this storm's hitting, the two narratives that are being pushed today, instead of helping the people in the pathway of the storm, is, one, we're going to go after Kavanaugh by saying something happened in high school even though apparently the FBI is not interested in Feinstein's Kavanaugh uh, letter, the FBI will not be investigating Senator Dianne Feinstein's last-second attempt to smear Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. We found that out this afternoon. But don't worry, they'll push that narrative. And the other is, well, just know that if anything bad happens with Hurricane Florence, it's really Donald Trump's fault. Because it's his fault that people died in Puerto Rico, not local elected officials, not handing out the water the federal government sent down there. Not the uh, clear, what we found out was corruption in the federal government down there, with even how they were paying and hike and jacking the rates up and getting kickbacks on those that were supposed to restore power. How much of the goods and services and the money that we sent down there disappeared. Where, where's the New York Times doing an article on that? They won't do it because it doesn't hurt Donald Trump. I want to get to your phone calls, 1-800, or I should say 1-877-381-3811, 1-877-381-3811, and see what you think about all of this. Let me go first um, to Mary. Mary, you are from Puerto Rico. You hear them try to push this narrative today that these people that commit suicide, it's really Trump's fault. It's the administration's fault. You're from Puerto Rico. Give me your reaction. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you. Uh, let, let me start from the beginning. I, I, I was a Democrat up until recently. I voted for Hillary, unfortunately. I have voted for Democrat my entire life. And um, this situation has really opened my eyes. My family in Puerto Rico... 
my friend that works for the uh, Florida Power Light that was sent there to help restore electricity in Puerto Rico has um, opened my eyes to what happened in Puerto Rico, where my family is from. Um, what I can tell you is that the local government, instead of restoring electricity first in the hospitals and clinics, they didn't. They actually decided to restore hospitals and uh, to restore electricity in supermarkets and um, what shopping malls because for them it was better for Puerto Ricans to go spend whatever money they had buying clothes instead of saving their lives in the hospital, which is the main hospital is called Centro Medico. That hospital didn't have electricity until like maybe seven days later. While the shopping mall, the main shopping mall in San Juan had electricity three days later. So you tell me, what does Trump have to do with that? Nothing. Well, and we also found out about kickbacks that were coming back to local elected officials when they were working to help businesses get in business to take advantage of people's desperations because their basic services were deliberately not being turned back on. Life was not getting back to normal because when you, you have to spend more money, right? When you are desperate for basic necessities. Well, you know, uh, I know that there were pallets being held at the, at the port, uh, ships that were standing at the port waiting to be delivered. And the mayor, and the governor of Puerto Rico didn't do anything about it. They were just using excuses that the roads were undrivable or that the roads were impossible. But you know what? She is the governor. She knows Puerto Rico more than anybody else. The mayor knows Puerto Rico more than anybody else. And to be honest with you, Trump has not, Trump, actually, you know something? Now that I remember, Trump went to Puerto Rico, and when he had that press conference, remember, that he was sitting next to the mayor? I forgot his name. Uh, uh, I can't re- remember. Some of the, right a now. lot of the local elected officials refused to sit and work with Trump. Well, I, I know that I remember seeing a press conference where the mayor said to President Trump in Puerto Rico, President Trump asked him how many deaths so far. He said 16. The mayor said 16. And then Trump said, really, 16? Wow, that's impressive. Not impressive because, you know, he was happy that 17 or 16 people died, but impressive that just such a major storm had only caused 16 deaths. The mayor of Puerto Rico said to him, 16. I understand that it was too soon. I understand it was too soon for maybe for the mayor to speak about the total death. But you know what? If 3,000 people die there, it's the mayor and the governor's fault. Because I know that Trump did the impossible. We all saw it. I mean, do really a, a, a Democrats think that we are deaf, that we are stupid, that we don't know, that we didn't watch the news? We watched the news. I watched the news. This is why I'm not voting for them anymore. I am, I am, I, I don't even know how to express my feelings, how I am. I, I am astounded. I, I, I can't believe that I've been all my life lying about this, how liars they are. I, it's in, it's incredible. I don't know what yeah. else to say. Please help me out here. Well, uh, let me say this. I'm glad that you figured it out, and I mean that sincerely because you got to see it firsthand. And, and, and people are not writing these articles about the corruption. 
which yeah, Mary is, is a big part of the problem. And, and again, this is why today you have Democrats holding a press conference on the day that this Hurricane Florence is hitting, saying that Donald Trump is responsible for suicides in, in Puerto Rico. So that that will be the story that will be in people's heads. So if anything bad happens with a storm, they can immediately blame it on Donald Trump. Lisa, you are on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight. Hi, Lisa. Go ahead. Hiya, Ben. How are you? Doing well. Thank you, sir, for taking my call. Great to talk to you. Give me your take on this. My take on this is, I'm, first of all, I'd like to say that I am embarrassed by Bill from Pennsylvania because I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm originally a New Yorker, as you hear, but I've been living here for 20 years. And to hear somebody come from this, this state with such ignorance was mind-blowing. I really think that people need to put the blame where it lies, and they're accusing Trump of being political. What about the mayor and the governor that wouldn't make a deal with the truckers that were on strike in order to move those products to get it to the people? That wasn't political. It certainly was. What about FEMA coming out and saying that that mayor and governor did not attend FEMA meetings because they had no intention of delivering that stuff to the people? So they were they were making it political. But where's that story in the media? You never hear it. Also, I remember a radio station where on the QT, a government official called anonymously from Puerto Rico to tell the truth that the corruption that was going on there, that they wouldn't move the stuff to get it to the people, and then they have the nerve to blame this president. It's unbelievable, and I'm disgusted by it. Uh, it, it this is, and, and you look at all of that water that is sitting down there on that tarmac waiting, and the elected officials didn't hand it out, and they still want to blame Donald Trump for that. Donald Trump's job is to get you the resources, the local elected officials job to hand out those resources in the most appropriate manner. And they just let the water sit there and rot. That's right. Now, what about, sir, that that mayor that wore the nasty shirt, you know, that one that was in the middle of all of it? Yes. While while people while she was claiming that people are suffering and dying, she had time to make a custom T-shirt blaming Donald Trump. That's right. And what about her pictures that came out of her hanging out with Luis Gutierrez? Oh, that's no coincidence right there. I think it was a setup, sir. I think that Gutierrez, that they set up their own people in Puerto Rico to suffer with that storm so that they could blame the president for it. I think it was a political setup. I think it was a hit job. Well, they certainly wanted to make sure that the the president suffered with the bad news. Lisa, appreciate the phone call. one 877 381 3811. We'll have more uh, on this news of the Democrats again now claiming in a press conference today that Donald Trump is responsible for all suicides in Puerto Rico because of the storm. That's his fault. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. It's the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark. He'll be back with you next week. And it is destruction, dramatic rescues as Hurricane Florence slams the Carolinas. We're going to be joined by one of our affiliates 
coming up in just a few at the bottom of the hour to get you a new update on this hurricane. Uh, we just got some new word on Kavanaugh, the smear campaign against Kavanaugh, saying that he, um, you know, uh, sexually harassed a classmate in high school. Well, this story gets even more interesting. Uh, Mark Judge says that he learned he was named in the letter during an interview with a New Yorker. On Friday morning, the New Yorker's uh, Rowan Farrow reported on a letter alleging possible, keyword possible, sexual misconduct by Brett Kavanaugh while he was a high school student, according to the New Yorker. The woman, who is, of course, asked not to be identified, first approached Democratic lawmakers in July, shortly after the Trump-nominated Kavanaugh. The allegation dates back to the early 1980s when Kavanaugh was a high school student at Georgetown Prep School in Maryland. And the woman attended a nearby high school. Now, in the letter, the woman alleges that during an encounter at a party, Kavanaugh held her down and that he attempted to force himself on her. She claimed in the letter that Kavanaugh and a classmate of his, both of whom had been drinking, turned up music that was playing in the room to conceal the sound of her protests, and that Kavanaugh covered her mouth with his hand. She was able to free herself in a statement, Kavanaugh said, I categorically and unequivocally denied this allegation. It did not. I did not do this back in high school or at any time. Kavanaugh's classmate said of the woman's allegations, I have no recollection of that. Kavanaugh's classmate quoted in the New Yorker is Mark Judge, a writer in Washington, D.C. Judge spoke to the Weekly Standard this afternoon, strongly denying that any such incident ever occurred, saying it's just absolutely nuts. I never saw Brett act that way. Judge says he was fir- he he first learned he was named in the letter during an interview with a New Yorker. Rowan Farrow said, "As you know, you're named in the letter, and I did not know." He said Kavanaugh's classmate also uh, said that the New Yorker did not provide him with the name of the woman alleging the wrongdoing, a specific date of the alleged incident, either, or the location where the incident is allegedly to have taken place. Now, the woman alleging misconduct has requested her identity be protected, according to media reports. Now, after this other man named categorically denied ever witnessing any attempt assault by Kavanaugh, he went on to say that this is just sad that we've gotten to a point now where people are trying to destroy this man by going back and making up a story from high school at a location that hasn't been named by a person that won't be named in a place that we don't even know where it was. It's a pretty sick world we live in when people start this stuff. Mark Levin Show, Ben Ferguson filling in. We'll be right back. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. Welcome back. Ben Ferguson filling in for The Great One. Mark Levin will be back with you next week. And um, more of the, the attacks on Brett Kavanaugh, the desperate uh, last moment attempts to stop his confirmation have gotten even nastier. Now 65 women have come forward defending Brett Kavanaugh as a good person amid these new allegations from when we don't know who she was, where she was, when this happened, anything that happened in high school between 1979 and 1983. We are women that have known Kavanaugh for more than 35 years and knew him while he attended high school. 
as more women come together to unite behind Kavanaugh, saying that what they're trying to do to him is disgusting. Uh, we'll give you more details on that coming up in a moment. Uh, but, but first, so we want to get you another new update on Hurricane Florence. Uh, Brett Jensen with WBT Charlotte, our affiliate there, is now in downtown Wil- Wilmington, North Carolina. We spoke with you earlier in the show. Want to get a, a new update from you and, and paint a picture of what you're seeing there uh, for people around the country that are listening right now. Well, it is it is dark right now. It's, the night has fallen, and it, that's a scary thing because now you're going until basically 6.30 tomorrow morning before you realize what has happened. Uh, the winds are continuing at a sustained 50 miles an hour, and uh, but the rain is continuing to fall, and it's getting worse. And we're hearing, uh, since we last spoke, another death has happened. So now we're, it, that's, that's not good, obviously. And then downtown Wilmington, which is very historic for your listeners who may or may not know, it's a, lot, it's a very old southern city. It's right on the coast. It's much like Charleston, just a little bit smaller. Uh, Charleston is only like 150 miles due south in South Carolina, which is very famous. The city is over 250 years old with a lot of historic buildings. And right now, I can tell you, we just had a TV news crew come in, and they said downtown is completely, like, it's just white. It is because of all the flooding that just constantly happens. And now we're getting the backside of the hurricane and the 60-mile-an-hour winds, 70-mile-an-hour gusts, that it's whatever trees had not fallen over are now falling over and they're just saying it's, it's, it's absolutely chaotic. And as a result, the city of Wilmington has imposed a curfew. And so the, there's a curfew now, and uh, national television crews from NBC and Fox are being uh, evacuated from their hotel, and they're being forced, to, and everyone's getting kicked out of certain hotels near the river, near the shore. So it's, uh, things are getting worse. Things are finally starting to happen, what everyone kept predicting, and everyone kept being... A little apprehensive going on, really, where where are the big floods? How come this isn't like Houston last year? Well, it's finally starting to happen, and there's starting to be massive floods right now. Let's talk about the curfews for a second. What is the 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 logic behind these curfews? Is it for safety? Is it because of looting? Is it? Uh, I mean, is this because there's just they can't send out rescuers to come get you? So they're saying stay shelter in place. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's it's all pure safety um, because the the thing is. You can't see what you're driving into. There are, and, and I'm not joking when I say this, every 100 feet, every 150 feet, there are down power lines. Like, it, it's just, they, they are everywhere. And they, they, like, they are so everywhere, it almost looks like someone just tossed a plate of spaghetti, and you've got all those cooked noodles, because that's what the power lines look like, just loose cooked noodles all over the street, because they're everywhere. And uh, so I think it's all safety. And plus, you know, when it's pitch black outside, because uh, you don't have any moonlight, if it's just pitch black, can't necessarily see what's going or what you're getting ready to hit, uh, especially with the rain still coming down really hard. So I think it's just all 100% pure safety reason. Um, for for when it comes to the issues of those who stayed behind, who are now having to deal with this flooding, how many rescue operations are we seeing? Are they even trying to get out there and rescue? Or is it just too dangerous for local authorities to get out there at this moment? They are trying, and they will do their best to get to you. Uh, if it's a life and death situation, they will come and do everything in their power to get you. They were doing that even at the height of the winds. When the winds were reaching 107 miles an hour, they were still going out getting people. Um, I spoke to the mayor of Wilmington, oh, not long ago, maybe about 45 minutes ago, and he said that they are 
receiving uh, distress calls every single minute, nonstop. Every minute, there's more and more and more distress calls for people wanting to be helped out or evacuated. And you know, and I spoke to the police chief of Wilmington on Wednesday, or on, excuse me, yesterday before the storm hit, and his direct quote was, "All these people who decided not to leave, you have to understand, we're in the middle of a hurricane." And his direct quote to me was, "We'll get to you." when we get to you, because there's no guarantee they could get to you in a timely fashion. When it comes to the forecast, I know that's changed there. And my, my guess with me uh, is Brett Jensen, WBT Charlotte, you're actually in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, where things have gotten very bad. The, I know the forecast has changed a little bit today, actually not a little bit, a lot today. What are people going to be expecting at least for the next 12 to you know 24 hours? Um, everything that is occurring right now, they expect to stay the same. 50-mile-an-hour winds and just heavy, heavy rains uh, for the foreseeable future. And, and I mean 24 hours. Uh, the, winds will do, the winds will finally subside. Uh, you know, they're expecting it to calm down maybe like 30, 25 miles an hour in about 24 hours. But the heavy, heavy rains will continue. Uh, they're thinking at least 36 hours, maybe up to 48 hours, just depending on how slow this storm continues to move because right now, last I was told, it was moving at three miles an hour. Now, think about a 400-mile storm. From one end to the other is 400 miles, and it's moving at three miles an hour. Incredible. A- absolutely incredible to think about just how slow. Uh, we I witnessed this firsthand uh, as, as I had family members that were flooded out in, in Houston. When you have a storm that's just circling and is that slow, uh, over that's like what well, you're exactly what you're talking about with once this flooding starts it doesn't stop for several days uh, and that water's got to go somewhere and it starts moving into those houses and into those businesses and hotels and hospitals and retirement facilities the list goes on and on exactly you know and the thing is when you're in low-lying areas like houston it's very flat and there are no places for the water to run off and then the storm drains just can't handle the overflow. And then you've got rivers which are getting ready to crest and overtake the bridges. And now you've got rain on top of all the flooded rivers. And so you still have storm, storm surge and you still got high tides. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's not going to get better here for a while. And the mayor said, he goes, look, we're talking two to three weeks that people are going to have to be without electricity. Two to three weeks, and that's the early predictions. And, and like you said, it, honestly, it could be even longer than that. Uh, Brett, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Brett Jensen, WBT um, in Charlotte, uh, or from WBT Charlotte in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina. Thanks so much for coming on uh, and, and updating the country about this. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks, and Talk to you again soon. Be safe out there. All right, I want to get back to this other breaking news. Now, 65 women have come forward defending Brett Kavanaugh as a good person amid these new, uh, I would say, just smear campaign, ridiculous allegations. Uh, Diane Feinstein giving a letter to uh, the, the FBI. We've been told the FBI is not interested, not going to investigate this. Uh, I think it's because I think this is also ridiculous. But what we've been told now is more than five dozen women came forward today to defend Supreme Court nominee uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh against an alleged high school incident um, calling Brett Kavanaugh a good person. The 65 women who claimed to have known Kavanaugh for more than 35 years penned a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee to vouch for his character. Quote, we are women 
who have known Brett Kavanaugh for more than 35 years and knew him while he attended high school between 1979 and 1983. For the entire time, we have known Brett Kavanaugh. He has behaved, behaved honorably and treated women with respect. The letter reads, We strongly believe it is important to convey this information to the committee at this time. Now, the women wrote that while Kavanaugh attended Georgetown Prep School, an all-boys school in Bethesda, Maryland, they knew him through social events, sports, church, and various other activities. Many of us have remained close friends with him and his family over the years. Though more than 35 years we've known him, Brett has stood out for his friendship, character, and integrity. In particular, he has always treated women with decency and respect. That was true when he was in high school and has remained true to this day. They added, the signers of the letter hold a broad range of political views. Many of us are not lawyers, but we know Brett Kavanaugh as a person, and he has always been a good person. Now, this letter, again, comes amid a controversy that's been ignited by the Senate Judiciary Committee ranking member, uh, Diane Feinstein, who released a statement this week saying that she turned information about Kavanaugh over to the FBI. Now, of course, because she knows how to play this and what the media would do, she did not detail the accusation, and Republicans accused her of trying to orchestrate a last-minute smear campaign. I have received information from an individual concerning the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, Feinstein said in a surprise statement. That individual strongly requests confidentiality, declined to come forward or press the matter further, and I have honored that decision. I have, however, referred the matter to federal investigative authorities. Now, the letter was confirmed to involve an allegation about Kavanaugh while in high school in the 1980s. A woman who was also in high school at the time accused Kavanaugh of holding her down and trying to force himself upon her during a party before she got away. The details were reported by the New Yorker. The woman also claimed Kavanaugh was joined at the time by a friend who turned up music to conceal her protest. The unnamed classmate was then named in the New York article, having a no recollection at all of this. Mark Judge is his name. His identity was first reported by the Weekly Standard after he tried to defend Kavanaugh as well as say this is, and his quote is, it's just absolutely nuts. I never saw Brett act that way. Judge, Judge, by the way, added that he still does not know the identity of the woman who made the allegations, and that's also because it never happened. Kavanaugh has come out, of course, having to deal with this smear campaign, denying it, saying, I categorically and unequivocally deny this allegation. It did not, I did not do this back in high school or at any time. The White House also blasting the charges, saying not until the eve of his confirmation, as Senator Feinstein or anyone raised the specter of new information about him. The accusation comes after Kavanaugh's Capitol Hill grilling ahead of the committee's vote on sending his nomination to the full Senate. Now, the FBI, just so you know, conducts background checks on all major government appointees, including Supreme Court nominees. Upon receiving the information on the night of September the 12th, we included it as part of Judge Kavanaugh's background file, as per the standard process the FBI has said in a statement. Now, we've also learned that the White House would need to request that the Bureau follow up on the letter for the matter to be investigated further. Now, despite the controversy, Senator uh, Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley said there's no plan to delay Kavanaugh's confirmation. 
which is exactly what he should do in this situation because this is this is this is the stuff again it's like they have no soul you want to know why good men and women um, don't sign up to serve the government don't sign up to be in high jobs high profile jobs like a Supreme Court look at what happened to Clarence Thomas look at what's happening to Brett Kavanaugh you ever remember any Republicans trying to do this to any Democrats for Supreme Court? The answer is no. Absolutely not. They didn't do this. And you want to know why? Because you, because if somebody has a clean record and you disagree with them, maybe politically, it doesn't mean that you try to destroy their lives and their character and their entire resume of everything they've ever done. It's exactly what Democrats did, exactly what they tried to do to Clarence Thomas. You've got an African-American man that's going to sit on the Supreme Court who's got a stellar record, and so they find up and come up with some fake Anita Hill story to try to destroy that man's life, which is disgusting. A lot more on this coming up. Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It is uh, Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. He will be back with you next week. In the meantime, I want to get straight to your phone calls. The smear of Brett Kavanaugh continues by the Democrats, and now 65 women who have known Brett Kavanaugh since high school have come to his defense, many of them stating they want to be very clear. They have all different political ideologies saying this is not who he is, this is not what we saw, this is not anything like how he ever acted in high school, coming out. And and again, this is nothing but a smear smear campaign by Dianne Feinstein, saying we've got an anonymous person who claims that Brett Kavanaugh was uh, sexually inappropriate with her in high school, no location, no time frame, a four-year, basically, period window, no other witnesses, no other people corroborating this. And she says, well, we handed it over to the FBI. So that's what you need to know. Amazing what you can get away with. You can just throw out random allegations that could even be a fictitious person for all we know. And maybe get away with it. Also, you can slander and trash a guy because you don't like the fact that Donald Trump nominated him. one 381 3811 1-877-381-3811. By the way, I put some more info on this story up uh, on my Facebook page if you want to check it out. Ben Ferguson Show on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Uh, let me go to Jim in Nebraska. Thanks for waiting you are on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight. Go ahead. Ben, you're doing a fantastic job. Thank um, you, sir. I just wanted to bring up two quick things. One, this sounds a whole lot like Gloria Allred's M.O. Um, I'm kind of wondering if within the next few days she might come forward with a, a press conference about these allegations. Um, that was number one. And number two, I'm just kind of wondering, does this tell anybody why President Trump wants to do something about the libel laws and the defamation laws. Uh, stuff like this, it comes up for no other reason to try and destroy someone's character. Um, 
That's well, I mean, I mean, this this woman who is not doesn't want to be named, but wanted this to go to the FBI or wanted this to go to Diane Feinstein, who then gave it to the FBI with no location, no time frame, but a four year time frame from high school with nobody else backing it up. Blanks, claiming there's two dudes in the room when the other guy's like, I've never heard it. You know, I don't even know who this woman is. Right. And I, I don't, I, I don't even it. know the name. All just so you can try to undermine a Supreme Court nominee which the American Bar Association said is in, uh, incredibly well co- qualified, where the court he sits on right now, more than 80%, 88% of the time, Democrats agree with him, which is the same exact percentage that Republicans agree with him. And it's all because a Republican, Jim, a Republican disagreed or, or, or nominated Kavanaugh. I think Kavanaugh is going to make it through it, by the way, and I think most people are smart enough to see through this and realize what it is. Mark Levin will be back with you next week. Ben Ferguson, I've really enjoyed spending time with you tonight. Prayers going out to those...